Alrighty, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, Wiz. Hope all is well. Uh, some drafts have happened already. Some drafts getting ready to occur this week. It's a it's a big week as we lead into week one of the NFL season. But you know, certainly uh, the topic du jour is fantasy football drafts and the start of the NFL season. So, Wiz, what's cooking? How are you? Yeah, it's uh, all good here. Uh, half about half my drafts down. It's still. Uh several months to go the rest of the week actually there's one on Friday that you and I are partners in and uh, we'll be doing one the day after <laughs> uh, the NFL uh, has already played a game so that'll that'll be interesting but uh, as we were just talking about you know not much is really going to change in terms of strategy and uh, and uh, and how we're going to go about it yeah and I think I think it's kind of interesting you know we, we thought we'd start you know this particular podcast off by kind of giving some of our impressions of what we've seen so far. We, we've both done snake and auction drafts, so I think there's some impressions coming out of that that, that are actually pretty relevant uh, for your fantasy football season this year. There's, there's definitely some juggling in terms of uh, players that are being looked at a little bit more closely in terms of their value, players moving up, players moving down, even as we speak this week. Uh, you know, fortunately, we haven't really had a tremendous amount of major injuries uh, with, with players kind of being idle and not a lot of activity happening right now, almost like a bye week for players with the uh, reduction in schedule for uh, preseason down to three games. But but nonetheless, there are some trends that, trends that have emerged. You know, you and I, Wiz, we talked about this uh, in one of our podcasts about trying to distinguish between some of the receiver groups on some of these teams. Uh, even doing some of these drafts, it's not particularly clear because I think there's, a, there's some differentiation going on. But, but I would say in, in the case of a lot of those teams, uh, like a, like a uh, Cincinnati, like a Pittsburgh, even a Jacksonville to an extent, the receiving core, the guys are kind of bunched up in terms of how and, – and everybody's got different opinions, and that's, you know, that's fantasy football. Uh, eye, of, eye is in the eyes of the beholder, uh, and definitely different things that are happening. So there are, there are a lot of movement. There is a lot of movement in players. I, I kind of wanted to start out with, with, with in ter- terms of movement of players, and, and when we saw something happen last night in the draft that we did. But, but to be fair, and, and, and look, Howie Z is a guy that we talk about a lot here um, – but he surprised us yesterday. I have been noticing that James Robinson, uh, with, with Travis Etienne being out of the picture, has slowly been moving up. But we saw a really surprising thing in the draft that we did last night, a snake draft, where we he basically entered the first round and, and very shocking to me. I, I think there are a few running backs that are kind of moving their way very quickly um, to be ranked quite higher, and James Robinson was one of them. Uh, I was very surprised where that player was taken last night, uh, but he's definitely one of the players that's benefited by some of the things that have happened in Jacksonville on the injury front. Yeah, I think what's caught people off guard a little bit, but I don't think it caught us off guard because we, we talked about it and talked about it and talked about it, is what the injuries to Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins has done to these drafts. Uh, serpentine snake drafts, you know, more so than <clears throat> auction drafts. Uh, and I just feel, you know, as we talked about it, more cat, more pass catchers have entered the arena uh, where people feel safer for a couple of reasons. One, you know, you just feel, you see these, you know, not only Akers and Dobbins, but ETN as well. You just feel safer with a pass catcher. That's number one. And number two, it just seems to me that people are making the choice that they'd rather go for top-tiered wide receiver 
than just mechanically picking running back after running back after running back, no matter what level or what tier that running back is. So that's one thing that I think, you know, maybe has caught people off guard a little bit about the, um, uh, you know, with those two running backs now not being available. And I know you had the fifth pick uh, in the draft that we did last night, and uh, you started things off with Devontae Adams. And that was something that we talked about uh, off the air and when we've done these podcasts that not only is he become a first round pick, but he has clearly moved ahead of Tyree Kill and, and Travis Kelsey in terms of uh, pass catchers and where he's going in all of these drafts. I think one of the things when it comes to Adams, um, you know, you mentioned Hill and Kelsey, where they're kind of competing with touches a lot more, yeah. whereas Adams doesn't have that same dynamic going on uh, in Green Bay. And, you know, he's playing for a contract as well. I don't know if that complicates things yeah. at all, uh, but th- but that's definitely something that that entered my mindset. I, I will tell you is with that pick last night, um, the only running back that I was actually entertaining thinking taking when if he dropped down to my level would have been Kamara in that particular draft. That's just kind of what I was thinking about. Uh, but Kamara ended up getting taken before, and uh, you know left my decision to be made very easy. Where I just said I'm going to take the guy where I think the volume. And, and, and by the way, I could easily get burned by this. We saw what happened. Almost similar to what happened last year with Mike Thomas, right? Where Mike Thomas, I think if, if, if I'm not mistaken, was he was kind of going in the same area in drafts last year, right? Between like five and seven? Oh, Mike Thomas was, was yeah, Mike Thomas was clearly um, not only the number one receiver taken, but he, he was getting into the area after Christian McCaffrey where people were considering taking Mike Thomas after Christian McCaffrey all together, not even uh, and jumping ahead of all of those other running backs. Well, we still see Devontae Adams probably be going in fourth or fifth in, in some of these snake drafts. So yeah, I think I think it was the the, the the analogy is pretty good with the situations between Thomas last year and Adams this year. Yeah, I think the, I think I, I think I saw in the one auction draft that I did this weekend, uh, my basically my original fantasy league. Uh, to your point, even though it's not a snake draft, but in terms of mindset, would 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 definitely entered uh, into people's into people's selections was that those top pass catchers, and this is a league where it's a hundred dollar budget, just to give people an idea. Uh, Christian McCaffrey went for more than anybody else, o- almost too much money. I think every other running back went for less than $30, probably more 25 to 20 area. And all of those top pass catchers went from some, and including Kelsey, somewhere between 17 and say $22, $23. So I would say, and it's a PPR league, and I would say people have made the decision that there's really not a lot of differentiation between some of those pass catchers, and especially once you get outside of those top four or five running backs uh, where things change. I will say one thing that's kind of stayed steady, Wiz, uh, and I I, I don't know if you're seeing the same thing in some of the drafts that we, we have not done together, but Saquon Barkley has moved back down in value and uh, in terms of where he's been taken in drafts. I think for a while we saw him kind of moving back up. There was some optimism. Now there's a little bit of more nebulous information about kind of his usage in in week one. And I've seen in all the drafts that I've seen that Saquon Barkley has is definitely below, uh, even below guys like Saquon, uh, sorry, um, guys like Joe Mixon, in in, um, in in auction drafts in terms of valuation. So uh, I've been kind of surprised by that. I don't know if you're seeing the same thing, but that, that seems to be holding steady in the drafts that I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the question 
the question becomes with Saquon Barkley, like it, it just seems too risky to take the player in the first four, five, six, seven, eight picks maybe. But the, the, the question becomes, at some point he becomes a value pick. There, there's no question about that. The, 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 the difference of opinion is when does that occur? He, he, you know, you just can't keep pushing him back and pushing him back and, and saying, okay, he's going to be somebody else's problem or let him be somebody else's, you know, boom or bust pick. At some point, he becomes, a, you know, a pick of value. The, the question is when. So in your mind, is there a point where you would say, okay, you know, okay, enough's enough. I have to take this player. Yeah, I would say if you're in a snake draft and you're choosing between Saquon Barkley and, I don't know, let's say a, who, who do you consider like the fourth or fifth wide receiver? I, I mean, it's it's tricky in terms of I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, maybe in yeah, some – Like an A.J. Brown, maybe, yeah. uh, you know, one of those guys. And, and I think you have to start at that point in time you, you or, or you have to think about Barkley at that point. And, and I've <laughs> – that, that that's where my view is. So I I can't see Barkley getting past to not getting picked in the top say fifteen to twenty picks. It's it would be too surprising for me. And I and I agree with that. I think like, you know, at some point, you know, he becomes a value pick. Now I wouldn't, you know, beat somebody up or if they took him, you know, if you're picking at the tail end and, and you're coming around with your you know, your your round two pick and you want them to take him and you have a top three or four pick in round two, I would not you know, beat somebody up because they wanted to take that player there. I just think early in the first round, middle in the first round, uh, early middle first round, it's just a little too risky as far as I'm concerned. But then as it moves back, you know, back into the first round, early part of the second round, certainly middle part of the second round, um, you know, then I think you have to weigh that uh, into consideration and in terms of him becoming not a risky pick, but a, a value pick just because he's fallen so far back. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you. So, so I, I, so let's look at so let's look at each position. Was Let, let's look at the quarterback position. Have there been things going on that have kind of surprised you in terms? And I've seen in some drafts where quarterbacks are you know the strategy around quarterbacks is kind of being very patient. That's in snake drafts or really not paying up uh, in, in drafts for for the quarterback position. Uh, I've I've definitely seen that in a, in a draft this past week that I just did. You know, I got Herbert uh, basically for. I don't know, in an auction draft for three, four dollars, something like that. I was very content with that as opposed to paying, say, uh, something like around the 12 or 13 for, say, a Pat Mahomes or or Kyla Murray sort of situation. But, you know, there's definitely a differentiation. The one thing I have seen was, is I feel like, I think you've talked about this a lot, people have backed off Dak Prescott a little bit. Uh, and I think there's definitely a little bit more confidence after some early jitters on, on a player like Trevor Lawrence uh, in terms of him moving up. I, I don't have a lot of other color in terms of uh, in terms of quarterbacks and kind of what I've seen. Uh, it depends on the size of these rosters that you're drafting. I'd say I'd say the one thing is people are are definitely drafting Trey Lance in most drafts and shying away or undervaluing uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. That may or may not be the, the a correct uh, assumption. I think that still still remains to be seen kind of how that plays out, especially that we got an early season injury uh, to Trey Lance with a chip finger right now. But 
But yeah, not a lot of mystery to me around the quarterback position. But the, the one thing I would say is, is definitely a slippage in, in Dak Prescott moving kind of in the back end of that group that you talked about between, say, three and eight in the quarterback rankings. And Matt Stafford seems to be kind of pushing up against Dak Prescott in, in most drafts that I'm seeing. Yeah, that that that's definitely be the case. You know, when I talked about this weeks and weeks ago about me having difficulty, uh, you know, between those quarterbacks, you know, it seems, it seems like Mahomes is clear one, Josh Allen is two, and then there's several lumped in in that group. I, you know, I'm just letting that thing play out. I, I'm just not going to go out because uh, I'm just having a difficult time deciphering. You know, I, I could I could see I have points for these guys being MVPs of the league, and I can see uh, reasons why they're going to fall out of quarterback one. So I'm just kind of letting it play out, and I'll let people take player after player in that group, and then I'll be okay with taking a quarterback at the tail end of that group. Um, you know, and I'll be I'm, – I'm good with that. I, I think the one point that I wanted to make about quarterbacks is there's a – like, a, and I know you and I are in this group – of people who really would like to have Pat Mahomes on their team. And when you're an auction thing, you're just sitting there and saying, okay, it doesn't matter if I nominate him or in an hour or somebody nominates him or in four hours somebody nominates him. You know, I, I could portion out my money. But when you're a snake draft and, you know, you're in the middle of, a, you know, if you're picking in the five, six, or seven spot, you know, you know that there'll be 12 picks about taken after your pick. And if you're at the in the corner spots, you know, one or two or, you know, 11 or 12 or 9 and 10 in a 10-team league, you know, 20 picks or 24 picks are going to go. And I just think there's, like, a real, you know, panic maybe about that. And, uh, and you know, it, it gets to the point where, okay, I see Pat Mahomes is available and I want to take him. So why don't you talk a little bit about that as somebody who did that yesterday uh, not that you panicked, but you, you know you felt you were comfortable and you wanted the player, and I think a lot of people want the player. Uh, talk a little bit about that, the difference in an auction draft where you know no matter when he comes up, you're going to have a shot at him based on how you've handled your money versus a snake draft where, you know, best case scenario, you're only going to have to wait 12 picks. Worst case scenario, you're going to have to maybe wait 20 or 24 picks. Yeah, and it was a hard decision last night when I got back around to, I want to say I picked fifth in that draft. So I think I think the pick was pick number 29 in the draft uh, where I was kind of contemplating. And for me, I kind of made the decision coming into that draft last night uh, around the strategy that I, I wasn't going to, especially that I didn't take Kamara with the first pick. I ended up taking Devontae Adams. I, I, I was going to lean towards pass catchers. So with my second pick in that draft, I, I happened to take Darren Waller. Um, and then I said, okay, uh, do I take an elite receiver or, or one of the guys that I deem to be an elite receiver with that next pick? Or, or do I go for a guy like Mahomes if he's available? I, I will tell you, was I was a little surprised that he was available to me. I had expected him to be taken and for me not to even have that decision. Because I, I did a bunch of simulated drafts and he was never coming to me uh, in all of those scenarios. So when it did come turn uh, for me to pick with the 29th pick in the draft, I, I took him with the expectation that he was not going to be there. So I was surprised by that. And I, I don't know if you were equally surprised. I haven't, uh, we didn't talk about it. So, but, but I was surprised. I wasn't prepared for it. So when the player was there and I knew there was no chance that that was going to happen the next time around, I just said, you know what? I have enough trust in my ability to to draft, and I had some views on a couple of running backs uh, coming into this thing, uh, where I was comfortable enough that 
Uh, I was going to take those running backs if they were available and, and deal with having a weaker running back core. Uh, but and, and feel like I can kind of wake my make my way around the receiving group. But yeah, I decided to shun the shun getting a better receiver, and I took Patrick Mahomes there again, not expecting that he would be available at that pick. Yeah, I, yeah, I, no, I could definitely understand that, <clears throat> and uh, I don't fault anybody wanting to grab Pat Mahomes. Uh, you know, wherever they feel comfortable in the draft, he's you know he can carry teams on a several weeks during the season. He's in an offense that uh, a lot of games, they seem unstoppable. And um, so I can't fault you as far as uh, that goes. I mean, that was really the only thing that I, I else I had to add about the quarterback situation. Well, is, so can uh, I ask you, were you, were you surprised in that stank draft that he lasted that long or, or not really? Um. Uh, no, I, I thought I thought that was his range. I thought that that was that was about his range. I you took him in the middle of the third round. You had picked yeah, you had picked five, round three. So you took him round three, pick five. Yeah, I, I wasn't overly surprised. In other words, I, I was not surprised that he was there, and I wouldn't have been as surprised if he was taken. I thought I thought that was about the range um, where he was going. Uh, I would have probably had a different viewpoint if I was picking at the end of the round. I would have probably hoped that he would have gotten to me if I was picking at the end of round three. Um, but again, I could see somebody taking Patrick Mahomes as early as a, as you know a, a late first round pick, even a mid second round pick. Like I'm not surprised or going to fault anybody where they take Patrick Mahomes. But to answer your question, I, I thought that was about the range. I, I've seen drafts where he did last to the 30th pick and I've seen drafts where he went much before that. So I didn't, I, I wasn't surprised either way about at that point. Okay, great. So uh, I'll move up to the running backs and uh, we talked about James Robinson a little bit, talked about Barkley already a little bit. So I'm not going to go back and cover that ground, but uh, I do want to talk about a few, a few different dynamics that I'm seeing. So one that impacted me yesterday in the draft that I did, and I think we've seen this in almost every draft uh, that, that there's been a lot of disrespect in San Francisco for Raheem Mostert. And I think that continues. Uh, I've been very surprised by that. I kind of, I kind of broke that trend in that draft yesterday, uh, but in auction drafts, I've seen Trey Sermon going for more than Raheem Mostert. I don't agree with that at all. Um, and I decided to kind of break a trend yesterday where I took where I took a player like Mostert. Um, the, the two guys, Wiz, that I really feel like, uh, you know, aside from three guys actually that, that have really moved up a lot uh, in people's eyes. Uh, I've been very impressed by, obviously, Gus Edwards, we talked about it already with Dobbins being out of the picture. But the three guys that seem to be a lot more comfort at the moment um, and, and one guy I'm still unsure, given the action that they took here. But but Miles Gaskin and, and Damian Harris, to me, have struck me as two running backs that have really moved up into drafts. Uh, there was some worry in the beginning with Miles Gaskin, but I think that picture seems a little bit more clear right now. Uh, and, and in the case of Damian Harris, that trade of, of Sony Michelle has kind of opened things up. And not only the trade of Sony Michelle, but moving Mac Jones as quarterback where the offense becomes more traditional. Damian Harris, to me, has increased in value more substantially maybe than any other player in the draft. The other guy I want to talk about is Mike Davis. Uh, we talked a lot about him in the preseason. Uh, there's a numbers game. San Francisco had so many running backs to deal with and a lot of talented young ones that they chose to part ways with the guy who actually was a fairly capable backup last year for the Giants when Barkley went down and Wayne Gallman. And now he's kind of entered the picture in Atlanta. And 
To me, when I saw that, Wiz, I, I will say this, that kind of put the brakes a little bit on kind of the feeling that I had about Mike Davis. I know Mike Davis is older. He wore down a little bit towards the end of the season. But I like what I saw out of Goldman. I could see those two guys sharing a little bit more, uh, m- maybe than I anticipated the running back situation being there. But, but just some of the dynamics that I, that I was seeing in, in, in the running back group. Uh, but to me, the most noteworthy change has been Damian Harris. Yeah, I mean, to me, <clears throat> yeah, no, first to your point, yes, certainly. <clears throat> but for me, when I look at these group of running backs, I just get a big headache. Uh, and I don't mean like, you know, that they're not good players. I mean trying to sort through this. I'm talking about Damian Harris, Miles Gaskin, Daryl Henderson. Um, let's see, Damian Harris, Miles Gaskin, My- Mike Davis. Um, Gaskin, like the, when it comes to this group of of guys, like these four or five guys, Chase Edmonds is another one. Like I have a hard time passing through this. It's there, and sometimes handcuffs. Mike Davis seems to be the one guy out of the group that seems to have the best chance of having the majority of carries, and maybe Chase Edmonds as well. But yeah, I mean. Damian Harris is, you know, with an offense that figures to be better off moving down the field, being the other team's red zone more often. Uh, Damian Harris has absolutely moved up. But when you talk about that group of four or five running backs, as I mentioned, I'm having a hard time with that group trying to, you know, sort through it. And at some point you get to a decision with those guys, either you have a, a, you know, an opportunity to pick any of those five or, four or three of them, or even if it's a toss-up with two of them left, I'm just having a difficult time. Is there clarity to you amongst that group? I know that uh, you had, you kept Chase Edmonds in one league and, you know, you've looked at those guys in several drafts. You know, when you're looking at that group, because at some point that group becomes available, what are you thinking with that group? Yeah, so Harris to me because is the guy I have the most comfort with. Uh, I'd say behind him right now is Gaskin, just because I I was very impressed. If you looked at his statistics last year when he was the starter, because he had to deal with both a knee injury and COVID last year, but he ranked number nine in in running back points um, per start, and I and I thought that 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 says a lot. He he's a very good pass catcher. He's not necessarily a big guy. I know Salvin Ahmed and Malcolm Brown are both there. Brian Flores has been making some comments. He's a he's a little bit more open about it than his uh, his former coach Bill Belichick. So, uh, but I'm getting the feeling that that just by the way people are drafting him and and the discussion around the player, and I'm I'm starting to gain a little bit more confidence in what what, what Miles Gaskin means to the Miami Dolphin offense. Yeah, there's no there's no there's no there's no question about that. Uh, you know if. If you could just figure out the guy that is, at the end of the day is going to get more opportunity, right now it appears that you know Damian Harris, Mike Davis figure to be the, the clear lead guys, but you know things can change and we'll, we'll we'll have to see how it plays out. But as far as me, I'm just having a tough time, you know. And then Daryl Henderson, I I've seen drafts where Daryl Henderson has gone ahead of all of those guys, but I'm not quite sure there. We talked about oh, yeah. that Ram situation often. Um, over these last couple of weeks, and uh, I'm not quite sure about that one. I'm kind of in your camp. I I know you had some skepticism around uh, Daryl Henderson, and generally speaking, uh, look, they bring in a guy. I I think Sonny Michelle's a good running back. I think he's 
I think it was just a crowded situation in New England. I don't think this necessarily speaks about his actually ability. And actually, in the drafts that I've been doing, Wiz, it seems like there, like there seems to be a little bit, uh, not last night, but in the other drafts I've seen, there seems to be some hesitancy in terms of where you value uh, uh, Henderson. Uh, um, and in, in fact, I've started, I drafted Sony Michelle last night. Uh, Sony Michelle, because remember, a couple of those guys have gone down. Jake Funk's the only other running back there right now. Um, so to me, it seems like there's been a little bit more comfort kind of saying that, you know what, Sony Michelle is going to probably play a more pivotal role uh, for the Rams. We've talked a lot about the Rams in general, about kind of this push to the Super Bowl. And I think this is just another key to that for them uh, in, in trying to you know move to that uh, move to that end game. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, uh, was there anything else you wanted about running backs? You ready to move on? No, to let, let, let's talk about receivers. Why don't you uh, kick off what you're thinking there? Yeah, I mean, the receivers. I we've talked about this, and I, I just found it so interesting how it how it worked, how it how it's played out so far. I've done several of these drafts where we talked about receivers, kind of like I don't know, somewhere like after the top fifteen, all the way to maybe forty. And uh, in every one of these drafts, they have been just like that, turned upside down, flipped around, orders. And I think that's the interesting part. And receivers where there is definitely, um, when it, it, it's, as you said, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. When it comes to that group of receivers, I've seen such wide range of draft order and that's the interesting part and that's the part where i feel uh if you have a view or an opinion you could do well because i i think this is the spot more than any other where you could get great great value on players that you prefer over other people within that range of let's say 15 to 40. Yeah, I think that's I think that's completely correct. Uh, and and I think people have mixed those players around uh, depending on the draft that you're in, depending on when guys are called out. There's all kinds of valuations being placed on that. Uh, I see a lot of bunching up of those Pittsburgh receivers, a lot of bunching up of those Cincinnati receivers. Uh, I would even say bunching up of the Tampa Bay receivers to the point that there's some diminished value and. And, and guys like Mike Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in some drafts and Antonio Brown kind of pushing up against them. So so there's a lot of noise amongst that group. I'd say a couple of guys that, that kind of opened my eyes that have kind of moved up in drafts with, I'd say Corey Davis uh, very distinctly has moved up. Uh, LaVisca Chenault has moved up in a lot of these drafts. And again, going back to New England with a more traditional offense, it seems to be a push for Jacoby Myers, who's kind of slowly moving his way up draft boards. Now, he doesn't figure into the 15 and 40, uh, you know, range, at least just going into the season. Uh, but I think there, you know, if you're talking about back end of like, you know, when you start getting between receivers 50, 60 and stuff like that, uh, a guy like Jacoby Myers seems to, seems to be moving up a bit. I'll tell you, was the two guys, they, they both have giant, giant connections. Kenny Galladay and uh, Odell Beckham Jr., former giant Odell Beckham Jr., current giant Kenny Galladay. But those are two guys that have... They have really been at the very back end of the top 40, uh, you know, very, very clearly uh, a, a lot of apprehension around those two players. I'm very curious to see what both of those guys do this year, but definitely apprehension around both of them. I'm starting to get worried about Kenny Galladay in this injury situation. Um, this is last year. 
he obviously, I said this weeks and weeks and weeks uh, before the end of the season. So it wasn't like, you know, I looked at it at the end of the season. I, I just felt Kenny Galladay could have played and just was, you realized his future was not with the Lions and, um, and he just wasn't going to risk it. Um, so he, then he, he didn't risk it didn't play and got a huge contract with the Giants. And now it's a hamstring. And like out of all the injuries, the one that just you feel like a guy tries to, you know, come back early, that big contract, it's, you you want to really, you know, the idea of, you know, the, the pressure of the fans and the organization to get him back, you rush that early. You could be looking at a similar situation again, where it could be weeks and weeks and weeks before the guy could play or he tries to play. And then you re-aggravates the type of injury. So then you add that on top of, I'm not sure how that connection is going to be with Daniel Jones. And I don't know about you, but I could see the hesitation uh, for drafting Kenny Galladay this year. Yeah, I, I've completely shied away from it. And I'd say on the flip side, um, the, the, the one guy that I've actually taken in one draft, I said I wasn't going to take any Giants this year. I've been very nervous about things overall there. Uh, but I'd say the one thing, especially with um, Evan Ingram now kind of being a little tainted, but st- the safest pick for the Giants, right? And I think Darius Slayton's also banged up. The safest pick for the Giants might be Sterling Shepard at the moment, Wiz. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I mean, he's got the, you know, the advantage of, you know, playing with Daniel Jones. He's got that advantage over Kenny Galladay. And he seems like the surest thing. And, uh, you know, I guess I would kind of like call him like a poor man's Tyler Boyd. Um, but in a PPR league, uh, out of those giant guys, um, I think Slayton is boomer bust and Galladay, you just don't know about the injury status. So, uh, I could see where you're coming from with Shepard. He just seems like kind of like a little bit of a safety net there. And, um, I, I could, you know, see why you've taken him. And so, Wiz, you know, we didn't talk explicitly about a lot of these rookies or, or some of these fringe situations at, at, at wide receiver. But, you know, I, again, you know, when you start getting to the back end of the drafts and filling out your rosters, and I'm talking about your fourth, your fifth, your sixth receivers, depending on if you're in one of these leagues where you actually are drafting, say, upwards of 20 players. You know, there's some intriguing names kind of popping up. I know you and I kind of went toe-to-toe with a couple of players uh, in, in, our, in our Bronx League draft, which I thought was – was quite interesting. We kind of had same impressions about players. And, I, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit. So, guys that I'm kind of – I focused on one player in particular, and that's Rondell Moore. I think his role um, – I think his role in Arizona to me is going to be one of, of a hybrid. I'm hoping he's able to stay on the field, which he was not able to do the last couple of years at Purdue after a stellar freshman year. Uh, he's a guy that's definitely got my attention. Um, you took a guy in front of me uh, yesterday who I, you know I like a little bit. I'm kind of buying into the hype it, with with Las Vegas needing to kind of fill the spot of a second receiver, especially after Nelson Aguilar leaving. I'm kind of buying into the Brian Edwards hype a little bit. Uh, I've been drafting him. Uh, You know, just players that I've kind of kept an eye on. You and I were in a draft as well where, you know, again, we're drafting a lot of players in this draft. But Josh Palmer, we believe in the Los Angeles Charger offense overall. I'm not sold on Mike Williams being the number two guy there. And Joe Reed's been cut. And, you know, Josh Palmer's a guy that definitely made some noise in the preseason. Just some kind of back of the back of the round guys in in snake drafts. If you're in deeper roster leagues, uh, those are kind of guys that have kind of caught my attention uh, I, I don't know if you have any others to mention. I, I figure I'd talk about that a little bit as well. Yeah, well, we've done two drafts against each other right away. You took Edwards, 
and I took Palmer, and then we did one last night where I took Edwards and you took Palmer. Um, and yeah, I, I like, you know, all of those guys. Um, so Palmer, I like because I love that he's letting Keenan Allen, one of the best route runners in the NFL and one of the best route runners that I've seen in, since I've been watching football. You know, when you get a guy like that mentoring and tutoring you and a rookie like that, and he looks so big and he looks so athletic and such a, uh, such a great target with a young quarterback, there's a lot to like about Josh Palmer. Um, Edwards, I wanted to have some equity in, and I have to just, one of these things with Gruden, I have to see it to believe it, and um, I've heard all of the hype and, and that, so we'll see how it plays out. And I don't mind, you know, I think, you know, having equity in a guy like Edwards who is kind of like not being valued that much. So I think you could get Edwards for, you know, pretty late in drafts or uh, if you're in an auction league, relatively cheap. And, yeah, there's a lot to like about Rondell Moore. Um, he has the upside to be one of the best spot receivers in the NFL. My issue as far as drafting him uh, for this year is, one, DeAndre Hopkins soaks up so many of those targets. Two, you know, the, the hype about A.J. Green, and he looks great. Also, you have to worry about the way the Arizona's offense has looked so far. And then, you know, lastly, um, is, is, you know, are, are they going to use him in, in the right way? So if if he's being used in the right way and they're using him on jet sweeps and they're going to get him in a slot matched up against safeties uh, and or third or fourth corners and they get him the ball, there's a high, high, high ceiling for Rondell Moore. But there's a big trap door also if he's not used right and that Arizona's offensive line and their offense continues to look the way it's looked when their starters have been in there. So... There, there's a there's there's a lot of volatility with a guy like uh, Rondell Moore, but uh, I, I'm not faulting you for going after him. Um, I, you know, I, I like him, and I, you know, I think he is going to be a terrific slot player in the NFL for years to come. Yeah, and again, you know, it matters it, t- timing of all this stuff, right? You know, how quickly does it happen? You know, that 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 obviously remains to be seen. So. All right, um, let, let's move on to tight end. Uh, you know, I don't think a lot of mystery at the top. We've certainly been seeing those top guys go early in snake drafts. Um, I, I, the one thing that seems very clear to me, Wiz, is that Waller is definitely ahead of Kittle. Um, and, and Kittle definitely has dropped back. Uh, you've talked up TJ Hawkinson a lot. I think a lot of people do believe in that. Uh, the Kyle pitch train is, is out of the station for certain. And I think after that, if you, and, and I put Mark Andrews in that group, but after that group, uh, things then change a lot in terms, I think it's almost like a position that gets, I'll worry about it later. Like once you're not getting one of those guys, and that seems to be the way it's shaken out in both snake and auction drafts. Um, you know, I don't think a lot of surprises at the position, um, I think some mystery around what's going to happen in Minnesota after Irv Smith Jr.'s uh, uh, injury. So I think that's part of it. 
Um, but I think, you know, once you get past that, and, and John Smith, by the way, clearly ahead of, of Hunter Henry, to a point that Hunter Henry's not even being drafted because he's starting out with an injury and questioning kind of how the player is going to be used. So I, I haven't seen a tremendous amount of mystery or guys rapidly moving up boards uh, at tight end that kind of strike me as like, you know, what's happening here. So I don't really have much to talk about at the tight end position. I'd say the one situation that I am watching is the New Orleans situation, especially given the Mike Thomas uh, with with his injury and Adam Troutman being banged up. It is a guy like Juwan Johnson, who I took in a draft last night as kind of like a last-round flyer. Is he Could he make some noise to start the season, a converted receiver? You know, it's things like that. Because uh, I do think New, New, Orleans, New Orleans wants to implement their tight end in their game. Uh, but, you know, with the departure of, with the departure of uh, Jared Cook, and now an injury to a guy like Troutman that we thought, you know, he could make an impact this year, uh, you know, a little bit more reservations around it. So probably the one situation that I am keeping a, a couple of eyeballs on. Yeah, I think there's, yeah, like you said, there's not much. Uh, my thing is, I just think there's a lot of comfort level with Darren Waller. Um, you know, if you get him around after Kelsey, I think that's good value. Uh, I've seen Pitts creep closer and closer and closer to the Waller-Kittle range. I think that's wrong. Uh, I think, you know, that I think Kyle Pitts, I, I think Hawkinson is going to have a better year than Kyle Pitts. You know, I, I've given the stats on rookie tight ends, so I completely disagree that Pitts should be going closer to Kittle than Hawkinson. I, like, if you want to draft Pitts over Hawkinson Andrews, I'm not going to fault you, but he should not be close, going closer to Kittle and Waller than he is to Andrews and um, and TJ Hawkinson, which I've seen. So that's all I have to say about that. But there's a lot of comfort level, I think, in drafting Darren Waller because I just think you're getting such a good player, a guy who's clearly the number one pass catcher on that team, and um, and you're getting him probably a round or two even after Travis Kelsey. Yeah, and I think that's uh, I think that's definitely correct, Wiz. All right, um, anything else you kind of wanted to talk about in terms of draft impressions or? Uh... No, that's uh, that's about it. I guess uh, we're going to be back on Thursday with uh, with the DraftKings uh, for the week, and uh, the, I mean the DraftKings for the we're going to be doing DraftKings every week, but but Thursday night we're going to come on and uh, and do DraftKings and uh, and uh, talk about bets and props for the uh, for the Thursday game and. Uh, we also have to do, uh, I don't know when we're going to do this. Maybe we'll, we'll try and get an opportunity uh, tomorrow or, you know, maybe early Thursday. We want to do our bowl predictions for the years. Uh, yep. And I've been working on that. And I, I have some I have some good ones for this year. No, that's, that's, that sounds awesome, Wiz. I think, uh, you know, we talked about a little bit more structure this year in terms of what we're going to do, uh, DraftKings lineups, uh, the, the prop bet sort of stuff. And obviously we'll be doing the traditional uh, sort of stuff. And, and, and I think we're going to be keying on, we've, we've talked to some of our listeners, and, and the waiver wire is something that's very important and something that we're going to be detailing uh, a lot more uh, in, in this year to come uh, for the football season. Yeah, DraftKings betting on the games uh in the you know on on the on the games themselves and player props and we're certainly going to get into free agents as well all right fantastic Wiz. so uh i will bid you adieu here uh looking forward to doing the bold calls uh can't wait for the season to start uh especially sunday i know that we got the one game on thursday uh one thing uh i'd like everybody to know this this monday night opening night there will not be two games as there has been in the past just one football game 
So keep that in mind. Uh, anyway, that's going to wrap it up here, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. We're on SoundCloud. Subscribe. Stay with us for the season. Uh, we're excited for it. Wiz, great job as always, and we will talk tomorrow. You got it. <laughs>